Hello, your host Declan Marin here. Um, just a bit of preamble to our latest episode here. Of course, we were meant to have a guest, Owen Stokes of Bohemians, was going to be joining us to talk about joining bows and plenty more. But obviously, our studio is now inaccessible with uh, all the, the weather issues. And we can't, of course, pick up that interview. So what you're hearing now is just myself and Dave Donnelly picking up the latest news and latest results of the Irish football this week. And, of course, we had a list of predictions for the upcoming football done as well, which is now all unusable. So, yeah, it's uh, it's between blaming the weather and my heart being broken over Limerick being absolutely pumped by Dundalk 8-0 while recording this uh, very piece. That, uh, that's the reason that the show isn't a bit longer this week. So our apologies for that. We'll be back very soon with some uh, even longer shows. And as always, thanks very much for listening in. Let's get to the show. Hello, extra time. Are you part of the league not to get a hold Because it, it damages your reputation. It, it makes people, when they read it, just laugh at you. Single block. They're playing in the league one. They're playing in the Europa League. And they're playing in the game in this country. Maybe we should get to the Canada. The man is the Irish team. This is the ExtraTime.ie Sportscast. The beast from the East is here, and that's not Dave Donnelly's nickname. It's much, much worse, Dave Donnelly's nickname. But he does join me on the line. Dave, how's it going? That was terrible. I know. I know. Look, it's snowy. I don't have time to be writing good intros. I need to get this recorded. I need to get home. You can get us on Twitter, at ET Sportscast. You can find the Facebook or the email on the uh, main ExtraTime.ie page. That's at ExtraTime News on Facebook or ExtraTimeLive at gmail.com. Dave, um, we won't go into any more detail about potential nicknames you have, but we will talk a little bit about uh, sort of keeping warm at these matches. A uh, thought echoed um, by ExtraTime.ie on the Twitter today. And, and actually, there's been a bit of a divide in the group. It's not really um, the one I expected to be talking about at the start, which was which goal is better, Burks or Harry's. But it's the... Uh, well, I'll start off just by mentioning Extra Time News, reminding people to stay warm with layers uh, doubling up sort of with sock shirts and lounge pants. Now, you've taken great offence to this. Oh, I'm just not having it whatsoever. The term no. lounge pants, isn't it? You're not happy. No, it's, it's just tracky bottoms, I see. Tracky bottoms. I, I, you know, I've heard fat mans, but look, it's a debate for another day, but it's just, yeah, anyway, layer yourselves up. I have to say, Dave, just before we kind of get on to the football and this, you know, bit that might get edited out at the start uh, bring that to an end there's a, a great tweet there um, of a game that's currently underway that we won't talk too much about Limerick and Dundalk Limerick fans are uh, reprimanded for throwing snowballs at the line apparently that's top class yeah it was tough although I was just thinking to myself earlier the assistant referees I feel more sorry for it than anybody else at least the at least the referees get to have a bit of a run around and the, the goalkeepers are going to put on a pair of jeggings or whatever but there's no reason they shouldn't be wearing their lounge pants. You know what I mean? Sidestepping, sidestepping up and down the sides of the <laughs> Well, look, let's get into some of the news that's happened since our last show. Um, Pat Fennell departing Waterford. Um, a, a big enough story, actually. Pat Fennell, he, he looks remarkably, I think, like Saito Barahino in the Indos uh, piece I mentioned to you <laughs> off there. <laughs> it's uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it's just a, obviously a, a big mistake um, on the Indos page, just leaving it. Getting image of Saito Barahino instead of Pat Fenland. I'm not sure how that's happened. But yeah, he stepped down as director of football um, due to take a new role with the owner, Lee Power, apparently. Is it just a case of job done and sort of he's helped him to this level moving on to a new gig? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I know I know Pat was looking to maybe, uh, you know, get out of the, the lifestyle of moving from, from coaching position to coaching position and get something a bit more stable. And I think uh, the work he's been doing at, at Waterford the last year, 18 months has all been 
kind of about being behind the scenes and structuring the club in the right way and not not so much of the of the element of you know uh, buying and selling players and things like that I think uh, you know he he was keen to point out when he took over the job that um Alan Reynolds was was the head coach he was the guy in in charge of all on-field matters and maybe he was just kind of doing the more um what would you call it the uh not the admin work, but uh, I guess put, putting the right structures in place in the club uh, from a, I guess a business and a, and a club point of view. Is there any indication um, or speculation even over what this new role might entail? Maybe playing up top for Stoke. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. But is there is there genuinely anything anything to suggest what he could be up to? No, I, I think he just said that he's going to be an advisor to mm. in his in Lee Power's worldwide operations, which I, I assume it includes Twinland Town, but. I don't know exactly what it is. I guess you know. Uh, in future, he might he might uh, you know uh, furnish people with that information, or maybe it's just his own business and he doesn't want to tell anyone. Fair enough. Um, elsewhere, just a, another bit of news to touch on before we look at some of the recent uh, games. Draw the Harps. Um, we'd obviously spoken to Ollie Horgan last week, previewing it a little bit, and there's a lot of interesting stories around how it was uh, going to go. Really, new draw boss Tim Clancy ready for his first game, only for the game to be abandoned in really stupid circumstances. The referee unhappy with the amount of light bulbs that were out of service at the ground. Um, so they have obviously lots of people angry about this one. But where does the blame go? Who who do we sort of point the finger at? Um, I'm not sure exactly because uh, the ground was used in pre-season a few times. They had the uh, Bray Wonders were up there and Bohemians were up there and they played even time games. So they were using those floodlights. They were aware of the problems and they were um, making efforts to address them in terms of um, they, they they have announced plans to replace all of the all of the light fittings and different things like that. So they they were looking to make those upgrades, but obviously weren't able to make them in time. But um, you know maybe it was. Um, the referees who were handling the the preseason games deemed the good enough for a friendly, but uh, obviously referee John McLaughlin when he when he went up, if it's up to his standards, then obviously it has to um, the, the game can't go ahead. And I guess from a I don't know, I, I don't know exactly what what the reasoning is. Is if, if it's like a safety point of view, or if it's just in terms of you know visibility to make it a fair contest, but. I'm not sure exactly what the what the particular. I think safety. I think safety was indicated. Certainly from watching on, on when they spoke a bit about it on Soccer Republic. I think that was the angle they sort of um, went forward with. And I thought there was a lot of good points made in Soccer Republic actually between uh, Carly and Sadler and even Peter Collins uh, pointed out why it should have been rescheduled surely to to an afternoon game as opposed to an evening. But yeah, I mean, look, we're, according to I, I thought the quote that stood out for me was that the work was due um, before the season kicked off, but delayed due to the weather and. Richie Sadler pointing out that's that's a bit of a dog eating your homework excuse, um, but it, it's probably fair to say that the blame should go around quite a bit because there's plenty wrong here. I mean, again, not to over do it over the top, but look, the refs' pitch inspection was supposed to be six thirty. Um, you know, the draw the, have have reported this issue to the FAI that probably should have been looked after sooner. Weather isn't probably really an excuse, as I said, it should have been rescheduled. And um, again, look, not to, to sort of relay too many points that were on Soccer Republic, but just in case those who didn't see it, there was quite a debate about the, the licensing, um, which is very, very interesting because, I mean, how on earth has, has it got a license if, if this is the case, that it's not ready um, or safe enough for players in, in the new season? Well, licensing can be given out to grounds even if they're, if, if they're in, the, in the process of making improvements. You only have to look at, you know, um, Derry City obviously kicked off the season without the Brandywell, but they were still given... The license, even though they didn't have the ground in place, because it it was the process wasn't in place to get it ready. So uh, 
you know, I don't think that's necessarily an impediment. To, you'd, you'd probably have to go into the into the actual licensing process and, and have a look at it. I know there were a few clubs before the season started that did that were in danger of um, falling foul of falling foul of license, and I think one one club even didn't apply the first time around. So because they they knew they had problems to address. So you know, there's, there's a you know there's, there's a lot of lot that goes into it, and the the FAI um, the, the people involved there are they work very closely with clubs to kind of address all these problems so it's very possible that this problem was addressed at one level and uh, the licensing committee were, were satisfied that the, the improvements were in place and they were going to be made but uh, obviously when referee John McLaughlin comes in he might have a different view and he might look at it and say well you know I don't, I don't think this is safe and that's my view as a referee so that's where the kind of conflict can come up and you know it's not necessarily that either of them are wrong yeah, and, and just if you want to read a bit more on that, I know um, extra time that he is, Jared Grimes spoke to um, Drugs Chairman Fikra Kearns, um, if you want to check that out on our website, extratime.ie. Right, Dave, we've gone through some of the bits and bobs there. Let's go through, because we have two rounds of fixtures to catch up on, some of them sort of happening um, while we're recording here, so we can't talk too much about those. But we'll talk maybe, we'll, look, I mean, you can't start too far away from a 6-0, can you? Shamrock Rovers looking... Uh, Impressive enough in that game. Uh, a little bit worried for them pre-season because there was early pressure on, on Stephen Bradley and it was talked about, I think, a little bit in the build-up to Rovers on Dock as a game. Neither could lose, but uh, the, the big the big win against Bray alleviates a bit of the pressure on Stephen Bradley. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm not sure how much pressure there was, apart from obviously the, the opening day to see the Bohemians, uh, you know, losing to your biggest rival is it's never going to go down well with fans. But I think, uh, you know, overall, it's it's been a difficult enough start for the season for Rovers with you know a few difficult games coming up and now one on Saturday that may or may not go ahead depending on the on the weather conditions I think uh, Limerick might be okay from a weather standpoint but um, you know uh, the, facing your biggest rivals away in the first first game of the season then facing Dundalk at home it's not an easy start so I think uh, you know four points out of that I was talking to Stephen Brady after the game last night he said you know it's not ideal but he's he's not hugely unhappy with it because uh, it's a decent enough return from at least the last two games so uh, from a performance standpoint I think um, you know it was partly the Bray the, sorry partly the Rovers are good but also partly the Bray were just abysmal really mm. you did you, you did know, highlight that pre-season you said you saw them quite a few times and they were fairly abysmal on each occasion yeah well I've seen them twice now in, in their first three games of the season and uh, funnily enough, the one I missed was the the game they got a point out of the nil nil up in Dundalk. But uh, I've seen them twice, and it's it's hard to discern exactly what they're what they're trying to do. I'm sure there is some sort of plan there, but it's quite basic. It's like ten men behind the ball, and they basically just bump the ball up to Aaron Green a lot of the time, which is you know not not really playing to his strengths. It's uh, you know the one time he did get the ball to feet and kind of. Uh, have a bit of space. He ended up creating the only goal they've scored this season. So um, against Pats, it was a, a lovely uh, setup for Gary McKay. But they just they never looked like scoring uh, yeah. against Rovers. And it was it was I think they had maybe two shots. At the end of the first half, they had a brief flurry, which they also did against Pats. They kind of went for forty minutes, basically trying to contain, and then all of a sudden started playing a little bit of football before half time and tried to nick something. So I don't know if it's a if it's a particularly if it's um, their plan that they try and be solid and just give it a little bit of a go around half time, but uh, or if it's just players kind of 
decide on the pitch that well, nothing's happened here, we have to do something else. So it's, it's a, I don't really discern a plan from them at the moment, and it's kind of a, from their standpoint, uh, in terms of their survival, I think it's quite worrying. Yeah, just on that, um, we'll get back to talking a little bit about Rovers because a few more things I want to pick at there. But on the Bray front, um, their manager Dave Mackey um, was talking a little bit about their kind of slow start against Pats. Um, which which they suffered a particularly bad, bad goal in, and that one where uh, Clark just pretty much ambled up the pitch. He didn't even sprint. They had about ten men behind the ball, as you said, and laid the ball yeah. into Fagan for a tap in. So not like stuff like that, you'd have to have big questions over. But but he made the point that he was happy enough with Bray's play against St. Pat's, but maybe just that they started very slowly. I can't imagine that was echoed this week. Uh, I wouldn't imagine so. I didn't actually talk to him after the game, so I, I couldn't really tell you about it. I don't know. From the for the first twenty five minutes or so, it did seem like they whatever they were trying to do was working because they were they were in overs really a couple of long distance chances and a couple of times Trevor Clark got through in the overlap and put in the cross, but there was nobody on the end of it. So it did seem to be working reasonably well. And even after they conceded the goal, they they didn't really look like conceding another one until half time. So it, I, I guess from that standpoint, the the containment policy was working and and the the odd couple of chances that they had to kind of move the ball forward and play a bit of football did seem to reap a couple of dividends for the five minutes or so that they did and who knows if there had been another five minutes for half time maybe they would have scored a goal and it would have been a different game but you know it wasn't so uh, I think in the second half they just they can see the goal within two minutes and uh, as they did to start a pass match and then they can see the three goals in the space of about six minutes around the hour mark and that was kind of that was it and Rovers just took the foot off the pedal completely and just scored another one in the 90th minute but you know another day if they had a, I think if Rovers had a kept going it could have even have been more could have been 7-8 you never know Right let's get straight to it then because we've stalled long, on this, uh, long enough really um, Burke or Harry's going for you Dave? Uh, it has to be Burke yeah, I'm in 100% agreement. I, I, like we'll get on to Bastianeri and, and what a strike it was as well, not taking away from that. But, my God, there was some hype about that one on Twitter. I think because it wasn't, uh, the clip wasn't released immediately, everyone was sort of waiting patiently. And then, even though it's a beautiful goal, we're really disappointed. I think it was one of those goals that you had to be there for. Yeah, well, it's, it, was, it was a bit, you know, to, to quote the Premier League, it was a bit Gerrard-esque, more so. It was like a ball that fell at the edge of the box. He just absolutely smashed it. But the absolute... Fantastic! It was great, it was great technique. Oh yeah, over the ball like that, and hit it, you know, on the bounce like that, and keep it low. You know, it's a great shot. But what, what I think is that, you know, that shot it was at a decent enough height for a goalkeeper. Maybe a taller goalkeeper than Barry Murphy might have had a better chance of getting to it. So, you know, it's it's, it's a savable shot. Whereas Burks, just for my money, you know, he saw maybe Aaron Dillon wasn't there too well positioned there it was a bit far out from his goal but you know he gave the keeper absolutely no chance at the shot like hitting, hitting the, the underside of the bar and going in you can't really get any closer to scoring than that or you can't really get any closer to you can't really get any further away from the goalkeeper while still scoring than that so yeah. you know it's, a, it's just a, the perfect shot I think yeah, I think we're we're in agreement. I think a lot of people are really that. Look, it's a beaut, but Burks is an absolute cracker. Just a, a few things to pick up in that Rovers game before we move on to a few of the others. Um, Sean Cavanaugh's got an absolute beaut as well. He, he's maybe a little bit of an underrated signing compared to all the sort of attacking prowess they have in there. Yeah, I don't know why he'd be underrated. He's coming back from Fulham where he played a good few games. I think he played 40-odd games for them mm. between Cups and the Championship. So he's, he's not an inexperienced player, but he means even though he's still young enough. So... It was interesting, actually, just to just to compare the Cavan's goal was from a free kick just outside the box, 
Rovers had two free kicks from more or less an identical position in the first half. Uh, and the melee hit the first one into the wall, then he back heeled the second one to Graham Burke, who also hit it into the wall, and uh, there was a suspicion of maybe a handball in that one, but it wasn't given. But, uh, you know, as soon as Kavanagh got his chance after Burke had gone off the pitch, he just... Uh, Kavanagh just stepped up to take a free kick in the same position, and uh, I think it always just looked like he was going to score the way he shaped his body up, and he just lashed the pass to keeper. So, you know, uh, terrific uh, goal for him, and on his first start as well to, uh, you know... Get off on that note. It's a, it's a positive sign for him. Yeah, another player with many positive signs. Danny Carr um, seems to play a big role in the highlights. Is he on for for a big season? Only twenty four. He's he's moved around quite a bit. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It was the first time I've uh, properly seen him. He came on as a sub in the Bowes game, but uh, he didn't really have much time to affect it too much. But uh, I thought he was very good. He he's different to Gary Shaw. He's not like a he's not a big target man who holds the ball up or whatever. And even though he did uh, do his fair share of that, but uh, you know he's more of a more of a, I suppose, more of a ball player. You're gonna to try to bring players into the game more, more in terms of, uh, you know, creating things. He's uh, got great feet, and uh, the goal that he set up for uh, Dave McAllister to make three 0 was absolutely spectacular. A beautiful turn, and you know, one of the per- most perfect crosses you'll see. But uh, yeah, no, even Stephen Bradley was saying after the game that you know, um, you know, he's such a popular character within the within the squad. He's got such a such a great attitude and. That's why when he scored his goal, I think uh, you know the entire outfield Rovers team ran over to celebrate with him, and the fans have already taken to him. So I think uh, you know I think if he it's all set up for him to do well there, and it'll be interesting to see whether he and Gary Shaw can play in the same team, or if um, you know they might be competing for the same jersey. Right, we better move on and talk about a few other teams. Cork City, um, they've. They're really finding their rhythm very quickly, aren't they? They um, beat Waterford and then beat Sligo since we last spoke, uh, putting in a good display in the last. And, and Cummings been particularly standout. We talked at the start of the season about what kind of role he could play, a more you know sort of back-to-goal striker, bringing the rest of them into effect. And it seems to be working perfectly with the likes of Sadler and McNamee working off him. Yeah, they, uh, I haven't seen them uh, play yet. I will see them, obviously, uh, when they play Dundalk uh, on the TV. But, um, you know, they've, they, they seem to have started season in similar form to last year and I think the the important thing from their perspective is, you know, even if their their performances maybe haven't been up to the level that they would have set last year, they they're still scoring goals. They've got eight eight goals in three games. They scored at least two, two goals in every game. So, you know, they're they've hit the ground running in that regard. And I think uh, you know, no question marks about you know, how many goals could come come and score when he came into the league and I even uh, mentioned on the on the podcast last week that uh, John Caulfield was was asked that at the league launch and he basically shut it down saying, you know, oh, well, the, all the goals he scored were in uh, the first division. So, you know, he's come in and scored four goals in two games, got sent off as well, obviously, but, uh, you know, uh, he, he seems to have hit the ground running and obviously with Sadly, I predicted a huge season for him as well. So, it's certainly looking looking decent from a Cork perspective, but I suppose the, the bigger test will come when they face the likes of Lundbach, uh, uh, but Derry City and uh, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, absolutely. And and just on that point, um, with regards to, to Cummings, I should point out that I was at the, the game against Pats and for the first 20 minutes I thought he was excellent in that. Of course, he scored and he set one up. So he's been very, very active. Um, that red card, obviously a downside, as you mentioned. Um, what about Sligo, actually, just on that topic for them? Because um, they'll, they'll probably be a little bit, I should mention, they should be a little bit disappointed. I'm not sure who it was for Cork um, who, who gave away the penalty. Uh, that Morgan ended up tapping in, but they, they possibly could have gone for that. And then they were maybe a little bit unlucky for McCabe. I, I'm not quite sure of the details of his red card because I've only seen the, the highlights. It looked like maybe something said. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure myself, but uh, yeah, I, I, from 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 the reports that I've heard, anyway, it, it appears that Sligo uh, possibly the the scoreline didn't fully reflect their their performance. But then again, the the defending for the goals wasn't wasn't the greatest either. So you know, uh, they can have to look look at themselves in that regard. But uh, one thing that I kind of um, picked out from from the five midweek games. Uh, of the the three teams that are fully full time, as in fifty two weeks, Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk, and Cork City, they've all won. They've won each of their games, scoring a, a combined eighteen goals. Um, so I think that probably tells a tells a story in itself in terms of uh, you know what teams are going to be able to cope with uh, games coming ticking fast and these midweek games at the start of the season when I guess you're going to see the the most pronounced um, differences in in fitness between the teams. Because uh, you know, obviously, in, in a couple of months' time, when these games come along, maybe players will be up to speed a bit more. But uh, we're, 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 I reckon the likes of Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk have the biggest advantages at the start of the season when everybody's trying to work up their fitness. They'll just be a little bit ahead, and it certainly seems to be uh, the case in these midweek games that you know having that little bit of an edge seems to have really, really, really counted. One team I think Sligo are starting to look a little bit like from last year, um, obviously themselves with some of the silly mistakes, but just a little bit like St. Pat's at times who are maybe just relying on someone like Morgan the way Pat's did Fagan last year to sort of tap a few home for them and just keep keep making absolutely bonkers errors at the back. They made a few certainly against Cork. Just on that topic, I suppose we should touch briefly on St. Pat's because they're one of the more interesting teams in the league this year in terms of what we can expect. Myself and yourself had a bit of bit of a disagreement as to what kind of season we expected them to have. Um, obviously, they'd be disappointed to have lost to Waterford, but before that, beating Bray, and they, they look pretty decent again. Conan Byrne looks absolutely vital to everything they do at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, the, the, a big part of their revival at the, in the second half of last season was... Um, when they brought when they brought the more experienced players in, and they were really able to u- utilize the best of Conan Byrne setting free in those flanks, to, which has been a feature of Pat play uh, in the six years. Liam Buckley's been in charge, and I think uh, if you think about it, I think Conan Byrne's probably the the archetypal Liam Buckley player. He's the sort of player that he he, he knows he can rely on, and he sort of uh, you know builds a system to uh, to really exploit. And I think um, you know once they can get. The wingers in the game once they can get uh, the pace of Dean Clark as well, and once uh, Crispy Fagan can stay fit. Even in the in the Bray game, he went off after about 50 minutes, about five minutes into the second half, and uh, I assume was a was a holdover from his illness that kept him out on the, on the opening day. But if they can keep those players fit, and if they can, um, you know, if they can maintain the sort of uh, the sort of the, the sort of free flowing football that we all know they're capable of, I think they they can have a very good season. But certainly, um, you know, two defeats. Uh, from their opening three games isn't great for them, but I think there's, I think there is improvement in them, and I think they're, they're the sort of team that do improve with, with the more games that they play. Absolutely. Just briefly, then to touch down the bottom of the table, um, I mean the game's just finishing up as we're talking here. Limerick nil, Dundalk eight. I've been watching that scoreboard taken up since we began talking here. Um, it has increased significantly. Um, so I mean your early season predictions looking nailed up. Well, not nailed on, but looking fairly correct at the moment with Bray and, and Limerick proving the whipping boys so far. Yeah, well, Limerick have had a good start to the season, uh, winning in the opening day in Sligo, and then uh, you know coming very close to getting the win against Bohemians mm. as well at home. But um, you know, I think uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think just the the sheer fitness element of teams that maybe didn't have a didn't have the most consistent the pre-seasons with Tommy Barr coming in and maybe players coming in late after after other teams would have started pre-season. I think it's you know 
it's probably the sort of thing that catches up with you uh, in the early season games when you're still working up your fitness and uh, you get hit with these games, two games in three days. It just, uh, you know, maybe that just tells a little bit. And when you're coming up against a team like Dundalk, who have been training solidly since probably since December and they would have been doing their, uh, you know, fitness regimes all over the winter, they would have known exactly what they were preparing for for this season. I think it's it's very difficult and it's where the, um, you know, the gap between the, the clubs are going to have have that consistency and have that sort of, uh, you know, 52-week professional mentality from those who are maybe uh, scratching around and trying to put together a team at this stage of the season. Absolutely. Well, look, no better way for Dundalk to uh, to quash that two nil-nils in a row uh, than by sticking eight past Limerick. Right, Dave, we'll leave it there for the time being. Go take it easy, hide from the storm, make sure you're stocked up, get your lounge pants on, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, Vic. Thanks very much for everybody for listening. You can get us, as I said before, on that ET Sportscast at Extra Time News on Facebook or Extra Time Live at gmail.com to send an email into us. We'll speak to you next week.